we're going to read the 29th chapter of Genesis through the 27th verse of the 30th chapter of Genesis. And what two chapters they are. There'll be things that you'll read in here that you'll say, what in the world is this doing in the Bible? Understand, like Jesus told us, it's all about him. And even when we read about mandrakes, striped sticks, speckled lambs, polygamous, incestuous marriages, remember it's all about Jesus. So let us hear the word of God. Genesis 29 through Genesis 30, verse 27. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We're from Haran. And he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. And he said, Behold, it's still high day. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered. And they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came about when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So it came about when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he related to Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are bone, my bone, and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you're my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel. And Laban said, It's better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my time is completed, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came about in the evening that he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? 
Why then have you deceived me? But Laban said, It is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger daughter before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we'll give you the other also for the service, which you shall serve with me for another seven years. And Jacob did so and completed her week, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban for another seven years. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he therefore has given me this son also, so he known, she named him Simeon. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And she said, Here is my maid, Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees that through her I too may have children. So she gave him her maid, Bilhah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan. And Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, Happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, Therefore he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night, and God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived, and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Iskar. And Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good 
gift. Now my husband will dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. And afterwards she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. Now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, served you and let me depart. For you yourself know my service which I have rendered you. But Laban said to him, If now it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. How would you like to preach on those verses? <laughs> you know what a mandrake is? I'll tell you later on this morning. But it's a great story. And it's very familiar to most people. And remember, it's a story uh, about the gospel. It's hard to believe that sometimes when you read about everything that's going on. But this is one of the clearest stories of the gospel and what the gospel really is that I know to be found anywhere in the Old Testament. Let me tell you the basic points these chapters and these events mean. There are four characters, Jacob, Rachel, Leah, and uh, who's the last one? Leah, Jacob, Rachel, and Laban. And each one of them are characters. And each one of them have a, a special role to play. And in the lives of these people, we see the providence of God. All right, what are some of the things, the basic things we see in this chapter right off? We see right off that what you sow, you reap. As the Bible says in the book of Galatians, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. If you sow carrots in your garden, you're not going to harvest beans. If you sow beans, you're not going to harvest carrots. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And Jacob should have seen that. You see all the parallels with, in the life of his daddy and granddaddy? Where did he meet uh, this Rachel? By a well. Where did Abraham meet Sarah? By a well. What happened to Isaac? He deceived his brother. What happened to Jacob? He was deceived by his future father-in-law. So there were all kinds of parallels. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That's the way God's providence works. And so Jacob should have been aware of that. That if there was deceiving going on, he'd be deceived himself. And his daddy-in-law was a far greater deceiver than was Jacob. So whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. Secondly, we see this common theme that's been here throughout this whole section on, on Isaac's life. We've seen the theme that the various benefits and blessings of the covenant are distributed by the sovereignty of Almighty God. God does not ask you what do you want and then gives it to you. Which one of the promises in the Bible, do you want me to cause to come true in your life? Doesn't ask you the question. That the blessings that fall upon you are determined by a sovereign God. Jacob, who did Jacob choose to love? 
Rachel. Who did God choose to love? Leah. So you see, it's God, not man, that makes the basic decisions about your life and how life's going to turn out. And then this chapter, just as clearly, though unusually as possible, declares you the heart of the gospel. And that is that salvation is by sheer grace. That if God gives you anything good, if God forgives one sin, if God fulfills one promise in your life, it's not because you deserve it. It's not because you're worthy of it. It's because of sheer grace, unmerited, undeserved, unbought. And there is no chapter that more clearly illustrates that than this chapter on these four people. God bless Leah, all kinds of children. God even blessed Rachel was quite a sinner herself. God blessed Jacob. And God blessed the great deceiver Laban. And the one thing that stands out in all of these verses is that they were all uh, great sinners. I mean, this was a dysfunctional marriage, <laughs> to say the least. It was a Polygamist, incestuous marriage from which the Savior of the world was born. The grandmother of Jesus was Leah. The grandfather of Jesus was Jacob. How in the world did all that happen? God chose weak, sinful, confused men and women to bring into the world the Savior of the world and also to be the mothers and father of the church. The church came from these four people. Now, you know who uh, Leah and uh, Rachel's children are called, the, the the tribes of Israel, just to make sure you understand. So now let's look here at this chapter and get into it as far as we can go. The first several verses where Joseph meets these shepherds. And they, uh, they're watering their sheep, they're pasturing their sheep. And he spends several verses talking about them. Now why did he waste so much time? talking simply about these shepherds and when you should water your sheep and when you should pasture them. Why did he spend all that time? Because God wants you to know, I set him up. It wasn't an accident that Jacob met these shepherds. Jacob met these shepherds who knew his future father-in-law. And so they could take him to meet his father-in-law. Uh, he introduced him to these shepherds who knew his future wife. So it was a complete setup by the living God to put him in a, in a situation where he had to go in the direction that God would have him go. And uh, so they're watering their sheep and then who should come by but a beautiful shepherdess by the name of Rachel. Now, one of the godliest women I ever knew was a woman named Rachel. She was a very old woman that lived in Hayside, Virginia. And so because of her, I love the name Rachel. But I'm not that crazy about the name Rachel now after reading about this woman. And look what uh, it says. Uh, I mean, it's sort of funny that in verse 9, 
while Jacob was speaking with these shepherds, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came about when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and started singing and hollered. That's what it says in Southern. That he kissed Rachel, he lifted up his voice, and he wept. This was a big deal for Jacob. Here's the woman of his dreams. Here's the woman he's been praying for. The most beautiful woman in form and face that he has ever seen in all his life. And so he didn't even try to resist. He kissed her, and then he sang and he hollered because this was the greatest moment in his life. What is the application? Be careful who you kiss. Be careful who you kiss. Because it could be devastating for the rest of your life. Kiss is not a little thing. You don't just kiss a woman with your lips. You kiss her with your lips at the same time you're kissing her with her heart, your heart. You're giving something of yourself to her. And it's going to affect the rest of your life. So Jacob saw Rachel and he kissed her and he sang. Notice something about Jacob. He was always following his emotions. He was always doing not what was right, but what he desired to do. And so he was always following his emotions. And we see this throughout this whole chapter. And that got him in trouble. And when you do, when you follow your emotions, it will get you in trouble. It's displeasing to the Lord, first of all. Because to follow your own emotions is to say, I'm not going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow the way I feel. I'm going to go to church this morning because I feel like doing it. Or, I'm not going to church this morning because I don't feel like doing it. When you let your emotions be your guide, and your emotions dictate how you're going to feel, what you're going to do, how you're going to make decisions, you make your emotions the Lord of your life. So now they've met. And so Rebecca's all, um, Rachel's all excited too. So she running, runs back to her daddy and told her everything that was happening. Verse 13, so it came about when Laban, her daddy, heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to the house. Then he related to Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And so he stayed there a month. And Laban said, I'm your, uh, we're relatives. I am your mother's brother. And you are marrying, or you want to marry, your first cousin. So right off the bat, it's incestuous. Now, you can marry your second cousin if you want to. The book of Leviticus says you can marry your second cousin, but you can't marry your first cousin. That's incestuous. It's specifically forbidden in the Word of God, in the books of Moses. And so Laban says, surely I, I, I need to pay you something. 
I need to give you something. And so Jacob says, yes, you can pay me. I want Rachel. I want Rachel to be my wife. So notice what Laban does. I mean, he out-deceives Jacob. Laban said to Jacob in verse 15, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Laban had two daughters. The name of the older daughter was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak. That is, she wasn't as attractive as Rachel. Rachel was beautiful in form and face. There was nothing physically attractive about Leah. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, well, here's a deal. I'll serve you seven years, and you give me Rachel. And Rachel's, uh, Laban says, verse 19, well, that sounds good to me. I'd rather she have you than some other man. Verse 20, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to go by like a few days because he loved her so much. What he really loved was her form and face. Now, there's nothing wrong with loving a woman because she's beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with wanting to marry a woman because she's beautiful in form and face. But if those are the primary qualities that you look for in a woman, you're sinning against Almighty God. Because the Bible says beauty and charm are empty things. A woman who fears the Lord, she should be praised. So if you find a woman that you love that's beautiful in form and face, find out about her spirituality. Find out if she fears God. And then love her primarily because of that and not simply because of the way she looks. I'll never forget, there were about three or four young men in their 20s at Chalcedon years ago that wanted to get married. And they all thought they deserved Marilyn Monroe. And they were all nerds. <laughs> and they thought they, they deserved Marilyn Monroe, so... Uh, they were just so bashful and backward and awkward. So there was this Italian restaurant that Becky and I loved that had this beautiful waitress. Uh, she was a Christian, and she was beautiful. So I thought I would take them to this restaurant, give them a little help, introduce them to this beautiful Christian waitress. So we take our booths, and uh, we sit there, and in a few minutes, I say, now I'm going to introduce you to a pretty woman. So we're looking at our menus. In a few minutes, this woman came up to our table. I said, this is the young woman I'm talking about. So they immediately put their menus up over their face <laughs> because they were too embarrassed to look at her. And they didn't say a word to her. I said, boys, you're on your own. That's all the help I'm going to give you. So there's nothing wrong with being drawn to a woman because of her beauty or form and face, but there's a greater beauty than physical beauty. Due to physical beauty, you're born with. And it fades. Spiritual beauty of the heart is something that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it only gets better. So Jacob was enamored with her beauty, no concern whatsoever for her spirituality. So it says in verse 18 that God loved Rachel, uh, that Jacob loved Rachel. But the sovereign God 
loved Leah. All right, let's go on here. So Rachel, Leah was not that pretty. Rachel was. Jacob loved Rachel. God loved Leah. Rachel said, I'll make a deal. I'll serve, serve you seven years to get your daughter. And then Laban said, okay. That is a deal. So they get married. And he goes into the tent. They go into the tent as man and wife. It's dark. He couldn't really see who it was he was going to sleep with. He assumed it was Rachel. So they go into their wedding night. And uh, the next morning, they wake up. And they come out of the tent. And here's one of the funniest lines in all this passage. And it came about in the morning, and behold, it was Leah. Didn't, wasn't aware who it was, just assumed it was Rachel. And lo and behold, he gets up, and he just married and slept with her ugly sister. So he says, Laban, what have you done to me? I worked for Rachel. You gave me Leah. And so Laban says, I mean, he's a deceiver. Uh, Laban says, well, it's not our practice around here to marry off the younger daughter until we married off the older daughter. So you work for me seven more years, and I'll give you Rachel. And so... He did it. In verse 28, he gave Jacob, his daughter, Rachel, as his wife. And then Laban, the daddy-in-law, gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as her maid. So Jacob went in to Rachel, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah. That is one of the saddest statements in this section. That was the beginning of a totally dysfunctional wedding, marriage, polygamous marriage. He loved <coughs> Rachel and Leah. And what do you see the rest of this marriage? You see competition. Who's going to be the favorite? Who's he going to love? Who's he going to have babies with? And it was a very sad marriage. It was never happy. Rachel was never happy. And Jacob was never happy. That's all what always happens from polygamist incestuous marriages or any marriage that's not based upon the word of God but upon the emotions of man so verse 28 Jacob did so and completed her week and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife Laban also gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban for another seven years. What you read about in the rest of this chapter is who's going to have the most babies. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? Maybe if I have another baby... Jacob will love me. Maybe if I have a baby, Jacob will love me. Who's going to have the most babies? Not any concern for babies. Not any concern for the well-being of the little children. But it's all about me. It's all about my attachment to Jacob. 
Maybe if I have more babies, he'll love me. And so that was the nature of marriage. Started out four to two. We had four. Rachel had two. Then Rachel had two because she was barren. Is that a consequence, a, a coincidence? Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. All of the wives of the son of promise, sons of promise were barren. Because the future of the church and the future of salvation in the world are not dependent upon what man can produce. On the sovereign and almighty power of God. These women produced because God opened their womb. Because of what he did. And not because of anything they did. Verse 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb. That's why Leah had more children. Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will surely become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son. She said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Now, you know what that tells me about Leah? Although she was conceived uh, 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 a sinner... And although she committed some great sins here, Leah was a woman of faith. She wasn't some wicked woman. She made mistakes. She was not wicked. How do I know that? Here are all her sons. It's all her sons, and then she names them Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. All of those words have in them, in Hebrew, a reference to Jehovah. All of those, if you could translate those names into a sentence, all of them would be some reference to what Jehovah has done for her. These are all testimonies of faith. This was a believer. So we can't be too rough on Levi, on Leah. But notice particularly who she was. She was the mother of Levi. Levi was the head of the priestly order in Israel that represented God before man and man before God. She was the mother of Judah. Who was Judah? the ancestor of Jesus. So we're looking at here at Leah, the mother, the great-great-great-grandmother of the Savior of the world. God is sovereign. Didn't pick Rachel. Leah. Verse 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I die. The marriage just gets worse and worse. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel and she said, am I in the place of God 
who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? That's a truthful answer. God's the one that causes women to, to bear and produce. Are you, are you calling me God because you're not having children? It's God that's keeping you barren. So now Rachel's mad at Leah. She's jealous about, uh, with Leah. Jacob is now angry with Rachel. And so Rachel said, here's my maid Bilhah. Go into her that she may bear on my knees and that through her I too may have children. So she gave him her maid Bilhah as a wife. And Jacob went into her and Bilhah conceived and bore a son. You remember that's what Sarah did. Sarah was old. God said they were going to have babies. She wasn't having any babies. So she decided to help God out. And she gave uh, her husband, her maid, as a concubine. Now, a concubine was not a mistress. A concubine was not a girlfriend. A concubine was a legal wife. Secondary wife. Not unlawful, but immoral. You're not supposed to have any, more than one wife at all. And so now here, Rachel learned from her grandmother-in-law and said, says, I'm not having any babies. I'll help God out. So I'll give him my, uh, uh, Jacob, my uh, maid as his secondary wife. And he'll have a son by her. And then legally, it'll be mine. So I got a better plan than God. Verse 6, then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. Now notice when she names these sons, it's the exact opposite of Leah. All of the names of Leah's sons referred to God. All the names of Rachel's sons referred to herself. Verse 6, then Rachel said, God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called him Dan. And Rachel's made Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I wrestled with my sister, and I have indeed prevailed. So she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, now Leah's about to panic. Leah saw that she'd stopped bearing, so she saw she took her maid. She saw it work for Rachel, so she took her maid, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a concubine. Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate or how blessed. So she named him Gad. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. So Leah's still ahead, basically. Then Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now, the contest, the competition is getting more and more serious. Polygamous marriage of four women. Bea, Rachel, and the two concubines. How in the world can anything good come out of such a broken marriage? But he did. Savior of the world came out of that marriage. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And sin and depravity in human beings cannot cause God to keep from accomplishing his purposes. The wrath, God says in Psalms, the wrath of the wicked will please me. Don't condone it. I condemn it. The polygamy and incest and jealousy and dysfunctional marriages and deception will not keep me 
from being, bringing my Savior into this world through the man that I have chosen, which is Jacob. So, now, Rachel, Leah wants to have some more children. She wants to make sure she stays ahead. Rachel wants to keep up, catch up. So in verse 14, Now in the days of wheat, ask yourself, why is this in the Bible? Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field. And brought them to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. It's a mandrake. Another name for mandrake is a love apple. And in those days, it was looked upon as an aphrodisiac. That's what this is all about. Reuben wants to make sure that his mother stays ahead, Leah. So he gets her what everybody knew was a good aphrodisiac. And it brings it to, to uh, Leah. And then Rachel said, I want some too. I want to have some more babies. Verse 16, when Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. That was the deal. Mandrakes for a night with Jacob. And God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Rachel got the mandrakes. Leah got the baby. What's happening here? Mandrakes didn't work. We're not aphrodisiac. It wasn't an aphrodisiac after all. And so in verse 16, when Jacob came in from the field that evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you for my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night, and God gave heed to Leah. And she conceived, and God bore and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, "God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband." So she named him Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I've borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. And afterwards she bore a daughter named her Dinah. Boy, was she a headache. Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph. May the Lord give me another son. Well, why, what's the point of all that? It's embarrassing to read. It's embarrassing to read because you're reading about people who the New Testament calls godly. In Hebrews 11, where you have the list of the godly men and women of the Old Testament, there's Jacob in that list. He's one of the men of faith of the Old Testament. And what was the psalm that we read this morning? It was about the God of Jacob. God of Jacob. And that we are to worship the God of Jacob. So why is all this in the Bible? One reason. Salvation is by sheer grace. You got polygamy. You got incest. 
you got deception, you got a dysfunctional marriage, you got all these various things. And from all that, God did what he promised and brought forth the Savior of the world. Nothing can hinder the sovereign grace of God accomplishing all of his purposes. And the great thing is, he can accomplish all of his purposes through the sins of man, of men, without condoning those sins. Not once did he say polygamy, incest, uh, deception, or good things. They're all condemned by God. The sovereign God is able to use the sins and rebellions of man to accomplish his sovereign purposes. In your life, in this country's life. So that's the reason this unusual story is in the Bible. Not to commend these sins, but to commend to you the sovereignty of God. To remind you that we are saved by sheer sovereign grace and by that alone. And nothing can keep God from accomplishing his purposes for you. Let's pray. You see these men and these women, Lord, and we are embarrassed, ashamed. They are our spiritual ancestors. They are the mothers and fathers of the church. Mothers and fathers of the covenant people. The mother and father, grandmother and grandfather, the Savior of the world. So we thank you that sin could not keep Jesus from saving us not even our own sin. So may we always be thankful for your grace and recognize that if we have anything good from you, it's not because of anything good in us at all. It's because of your sheer sovereign grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.